In episode 498 with the Astro Twins, Tali and Ophi, we are talking all about astrology, what's coming up this coming year, how to understand your birth chart, how to understand your partner's chart and your chart together, plus so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because these incredible women have created a book called The Super Couple. And this is where you put in your birth chart, your partner's birth chart, and then it gives you a couple's chart. It's so awesome, fascinating, and super insightful for your relationship. But for those of you that have never heard of these awesome identical twin sisters, Ophi and Tali, known as the Astro Twins, they are professional astrologers who reach millions worldwide. Through their website, Astro Style, and as the official astrologers for Elle magazine, they bring the stars down to earth with their lifestyle and coaching-based approach to horoscopes. They've created astrology sections for multiple media properties, including Mind Body Green, Refinery29, and Lifetime. They are also best-selling authors with their books, including Love Zodiac and Mumstrology, which is a number one Amazon best-selling parenting guide, and their own brand imprint annual horoscope guides, and now Super Couple. You guys are going to love this conversation. I'm so excited for you. So for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 498. Now let's dive in. Beautiful ladies, I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? <laughs> wow. Um <laughs> No, because so many things have happened since then. I usually, I have my own, like, I got tired of making smoothies. So I put my protein powder and cashew yogurt. It actually tastes really good. Put a tiny bit of granola in and then some blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, and a little aloe. And I'm, I'm still trying to ride the waves of our birthday trip we had in Tulum and make myself a, a bowl in the morning. So yeah. <laughs> oh, sounds delicious. And your birthday trip in Tulum, how magical. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, I only know that I had coffee for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> the type A twin over there in New York. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So ladies, take us back. Tell us the origin story how did you get into astrology? Were you those little girls playing with crystals and tarot cards when you were really young? No. What, how did this all happen for you guys? 
Yeah. Well, when we were little girls, we were playing with computers, but also like reading books about enigmas and pyramids and aliens and Salem witch trials and all of those things. We were always intrigued by the paranormal and also the mystical. But uh, me, Ophi, my college boyfriend gave me a birth chart as a present for when we were 21. And you know, we were just lightly interested in our zodiac sign. And I would go and read at the bookstore at the time, like, you know, read up books in the astrology section. But that was the birth chart, which showed where every planet was when we were born. We have, we're Sagittarius, but we have Moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars, and Scorpio. And all of a sudden, it made sense of why we we're always drawn to the mystical. And I was like, I got to do this for everyone I know and understand this. So that spawned the obsession. She's she's leaving out a very important part of our, our youth. We did go to space camp when we were in fifth oh, grade. Yeah. <laughs> we did do that. And we were obsessed with the planets, but a little more from the nerdy scientific angle of it. Yet we, you know, again, we had that interest in pyramids and enigmas. And I remember doing in fifth grade, or no, second grade, we did a whole, I watched a film strip on the Mayans. And I remember being like, really upset that we didn't spend more time talking about them. So this is a all very past life woo and it didn't and it really kind of revealed itself around the time like Ophi said we were about 21 and her boyfriend Calvin gave us that first well gave her the first chart but I grabbed it away and read it for myself of course. <laughs> and because you're twins your chart very similar. I don't know how far time-wise you were born. What is different in your charts, if there is anything? Yeah, very slight. Just Tali's rising sign is one degree before mine because she's four minutes older than me. So, uh, but all of our planets and houses are the same. So it's nearly identical. Oh, I love that. And so then what happened after that? How did you turn this into a business? Oh, yeah. Well, that happened gradually over time. We were in art school. We were studying graphic design. We were publishing our own magazine. It was a magazine called Hughes that we started. Tali had won a magazine contest in New York when we were 19 for a magazine called Sassy. Some people might remember it. It was actually originally inspired by an Australian magazine called Dolly that was out in the 80s. Do you know of that one? I used to buy um, Dolly, yes. Okay. Well, Sassy was inspired by Dolly. It's supposed to be a little edgier teen girl magazine. And they did a contest where they would pick a reader to replace a staff member for one issue per year. And Tali entered one to be the art director. So she got flown to New York, shown the inside of making a magazine, and then uh, came back to college. It's like, let's start our own magazine. And we did. So it was for every woman who never felt like she was included in a magazine, which is almost everyone. But, you know, it was very, it was, this was the early 90s and we we're touching on all these issues of diversity and body acceptance and things that nobody else was talking about then. However, we found that the one unifying topic was astrology. It was like a way of talking about differences that brought people together instead of polarizing them. It was actually fun. And 
don't know, we just, it became this language that unified people that, and it was so helpful. It helped us make sense. I would say that people are their own biggest blind spots. So it helps us see ourselves the way others do and the things about ourselves that we don't and own our humanity and give ourselves permission. So from a business perspective, you know, astrology is really an accidental career because we set off to write, you know, feminist media. We're, we're born in 1972, so we're solid Gen Xers. Probably if we were born a little later, we would have played with crystals and things, but no one had yeah. those in Detroit, really. We used to dig them out of the sandbox or things. I found some glass <laughs> with a diamond, yeah. you know. But, you know, we what we did have access to is our imaginations and a lot of things, no distractions. So we were able to, you know, we we're always cooking up ideas like making our own magazine. But when we worked with this amazing group of women at the University of Michigan, all very diverse, and one of them, you know, we went on to do a little work with Gloria Steinem at Ms. Magazine. But somebody from our Hughes Magazine crew was working at Teen People and remembered how obsessed we were with astrology. And she was like, I know you guys, this is a departure from what you're doing, but Teen People need some new astrologers. And we're like, how could we not? You know, like, see, here we are. We are, you know, of course, we care about women's empowerment. And we knew Britney Spears, Eminem, Justin Timberlake, you know, you know, Beyonce every 90s and aughts, you know, their charts were in our heads. So we like met with the editor and we identified the sign of every cover model on the wall. And the next, you know, we're hired and have not stopped since. Like we were writing for teen people for a while before we decided to turn it kind of into our own business. And that yeah, right. was from like 2001 to 2006, we're doing teen people. Then they went out of business and we were like, well, you know, momentary panic. And then like time to really just create our own brand and platform. So we timed it like for the launch of astrostyle.com when Jupiter, the planet that rules publishing and luck went into our site. I think it was November 23rd, 2006. We launched our site <laughs> and um, just that, that was the beginning of it all. So Oh, I love this so much. And so did you guys do like a formal astrology training or is it just all self-taught? We've been mostly self-taught. Yeah, we've yeah, been mostly self-taught. I mean, literally, we just could not stop reading about it. We didn't, you know, we really did not intend to be astrologers. But, you know, when you're with teen people, they had us writing dailies his and hers. So all, you know, so we're going through, we're, you know, it's like, talk about earning your Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, you know, it's like, we'd be out there, our friends would be at the beach, and we'd have our laptops, and we'd be sitting in our chairs and writing while they were swimming. But it was like, it was just like, literally, we were in, in this immersive program. And of course, we've learned from some great mentors along the way. Um, but yeah, we've, uh, it was a kind of a crash course, but, uh, you know, as you probably know with astrology, once you start learning a little bit of it, it just like takes over your life, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It is such an incredible tool to have and to have the understanding. I've done an astrology course. I've done my own learning and reading. I'm obsessed with it. I absolutely love it. 
And it's been so helpful in my relationships and also uh, parenting and things like that. So just give us a little bit of an idea, like kind of give us a little bit of a astrology 101. Everyone usually will know their sun sign, but they may not know their rising sign or their moon sign. Can you guys give us just a little bit of a astrology 101? Yes. Yeah, Sophie, you want to do it or should I? Go ahead. I'll, okay. <laughs> so when you're born, you know, imagine those science class diagrams of all the planets doing their circles around the sun, right? So imagine that we freeze frame the sky at your exact moment of birth. They're all going to be somewhere in that circle, right? And then we divide it in 12 like a pizza and then in 12 like a clock again. So each of those segments represents the, the zodiac signs in the houses. That's my that's my broad stroke way of talking about it. But to keep it simpler, every single planet and the sun and moon are connected to a very different zodiac sign at your moment of birth. And you're going to have your sun maybe in Aries or Gemini, but you know the moon changes signs every two and a half days. And so it's going to Someone born a day after you or even the same day as you may have a very different moon sign or Venus moves every three to five weeks. So it's really only someone born the same time in the, the same day, the same time zone as you will share your charts. And it's a very unique blueprint of who you are. Now, the rising sign you have to know your time of birth for, that's based on the nine o'clock point on that wheel. And it really kind of sets the tone for the the 12 houses if you're able to get into that second part of it. But yeah, it's it's so just knowing just knowing the planets and what zodiac signs they're in is like knowing this cast of characters that's directing different parts of your life. And the zodiac signs are like the costumes that they decide to put on or the roles that they'll play in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's I that was a very roundabout way of explaining it. I could go on and on. But <laughs> hopefully that makes sense. I can do that more succinctly if you like. <laughs> no, I love it. Okay, so someone who gets their birth chart, what are the most important things that they kind of can look at to start? Just to kind of give them a little bit of an overview and start to mm-hmm. understand themselves on a deeper level. Yeah. Um Definitely, you know, you want to learn about your sun sign first, and just that's the essence of who you are, aka your zodiac sign. But after that, I would go to the moon and rising, or they call it the big three. If you know your time of birth, you'll know your rising sign, which shows how you present yourself, how you're perceived, how others will see you, the first impression you make. And then also your moon sign, that's the inner you. So that's the things that people don't see about you at face value or at first glance, but really drive you, really drive you emotionally and intuitively and, you know, what you do or who you want to be with, that kind of thing. So I would start with that. Mercury is helpful too. That's communication. Just really start to understand which parts of your life each planet has something to do with so and of course for love venus and mars you know the inner planets are a great starter kit that's the sun moon mercury venus mars these are the planets 
that move faster, they're closest to the sun. So they really direct the more day-to-day activities of your life. Whereas when you start to get Jupiter outwards, they take a longer time. So they tend to be good for like bigger themes. But, you know, of course, most of us come to astrology on a more personal level, trying to figure out who am I? And then we tend to move out, like, what's my purpose in the world? What's my, who am I compatible with? And so starting with the inner planets is a great way to get to know your profile. And I think that's also a great way to then start understanding the people around you. Because of course, we're not going to just look up ourselves, you know? (laughs) Totally. I have my husband's on my phone. I have my daughter's on my phone. I love looking at what is going on for all of us. And I love kind of looking at it when I have big questions that I, the answer may not have totally dropped in for me. For example, my husband wants to do a big trip next year. He wants to go overseas next year for maybe three months. And, you know, initially I was like, no, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It's like 24 hours of flying. I don't want to do it. And so I turned to astrology and I was like, what does my chart say about travel next year? You know, it's just so cool that you can kind of look at it and see, you know. And it says Aries should uh, absolutely do that. And especially, you know, as a Leo rising, you know, you have this Jupiter Jupiter going through your ninth house of travel. So uh, there couldn't be a better time for that, actually. (laughs) Damn it. I'm going to have to tell my husband. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are. But that is what's awesome about astrology. Like, I think I read that the average person makes between 35 and 38,000 decisions a day. That's a lot. Our brains are so overwhelmed by that. And I think like 2,000 of those are about food and what to eat. So we're not even aware of how taxed our brains are and like trying to figure that out without a map. Like, is it any wonder that people are turning to astrology? No, because we really need something like that more than ever now, I feel so. And I think it's a really important thing to mention. Like you can kind of look at it and be guided by it, but then again, always come back to yourself and tune in and always do what feels right and true for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just because your chart says that travel would be good doesn't mean you're going to decide to travel. Or you might be like, well, that's great. Well, for me, traveling is going two towns away, not a 24-hour flight away with a baby, you know? So, but at least you know what you're either opting out of or opting into. It's kind of like is there fertile soil to plant those seeds in should you choose to, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Talk to me about faith and destiny. Yeah, well, there's, I mean, we're big into that. I think, you know, as, you know, our connection to witches and Mayans and Egyptian pyramids as, you know, kids, you know, who didn't even know what was going on. You know, we definitely are believers in past lives and had have memories of that. So we definitely, we believe uh, that people, that our souls choose this path. And actually the astrological chart is part of that destiny. You know, like I imagine that people, you know, when the soul decides to incarnate, it actually chooses the time that it wants to come in and the journey based on the astrological charts. It's like, 
this time around, I'm here to learn about home and family. So I'm going to, you know, maybe I maybe I need to have some tougher lessons. So I'm going to have Saturn, the challenger planet in Cancer. So um, two of our, you know, I don't know how much you know about the lunar nodes. Do you know much about those? No, not a lot. They are these two very magical points in the sky that I feel like if you just studied those, sometimes you could learn your you know entire purpose. But that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But they are that powerful. So these oh, is this your north node and your south node? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So they're based on where the eclipses were happening you know, at your, your time of birth. And you could think of eclipses as kind of a portal, you know, there's such mystery around them, the darkening of the sky. And, but the South node, they always arrive in opposite signs. The South node is where you're coming from. It's this comfort zone or, you know, what you're bringing in from your past that, Maybe you don't necessarily need to release, but you need to integrate. You don't want to use it as a crutch. It's a comfort zone. And you're meant to stretch towards the opposite sign, the north node, and take on this new language. Uh, so we it's kind of our soul dharma in this lifetime to master that. And I, I think yours are Gemini and Sagittarius, right? Gemini south node which is broadcasting, using the voice, talking, communicating. In 86. So you are a an Aries North Node and a Libra South Node. So in your past lifetimes, you were all about Libra themes of being the supporter and the, the partner, the spouse. And it was probably pretty easy for you to, to get married and go into a partnership thing. But what you're learning are themes that are Aries driven. That's your North Node. That's what you're becoming. So you must have really wanted to learn those because you are an Aries with an Aries North Node. So, you know, you're becoming the individual that you never got to be. What's also very interesting is in 2023, the North Node is coming back to Aries for the first time in almost 20 years. So you're going to have what's called a North Node return. It happens around 36, 37. And yeah, in your mid 30s. So it's, it's a time when, I don't know, it's a pretty awesome time when you get your next opportunity to really sort of come into your own, try something new. Who knows? Maybe that, that trip will spark something if you take it. Mm, I love that. That is so exciting. Mm, it's a time to be adventurous for you. Yes. Beautiful. I love it. So you have created this astrology calculator that you can put in your details. You can put in your partner's or your children's or your friend's details. And it basically gives you a sun sign of your relationship. Can you tell us about this and how does it work? Well, um, so in a relationship, People who do relationship astrology usually do compare and contrast. Oh, I'm an Aries, he's a Sagittarius. We're a good match. Or I'm a Leo, he's a Pisces. We're a bad match. You know, you hear a lot of that. But what a lot of people don't know is that there's this other way of doing relationship astrology called the composite chart, where you take both people's time, date, and place of birth, and then it bl- t- a bit. So basically, both of their birth charts, 
and it blends it into a third chart that's sort of the a- the average or midpoint of your two charts. And that becomes the chart of the relationship. So your relationship actually has its own zodiac sign and its own chart. So that creates this unique persona of the relationship. Have you ever noticed that you're one way with one person and another way with another person and and that's driven by this composite chart it's like like you are an aries your husband's a sagittarius and we calculated together you become an aquarius so you know you may see like i always like the example of justin and Haley bieber she's a sagittarius super worldly was kind of a wild party girl he was a bad boy pisces but then they blended into a capricorn together which is this very boring traditional kind of you know not boring but they are boring together Capricorns are not boring, but compared to who they were on their own, like they're in church all the time and they're married young and they're so serious. And it's like, it's taken on the whole flavor of that. So we decided to to modernize the idea of composite charts and give it a name that people would be excited about. So we call it a super couple chart. And we have a, a book about it called Super Couples. And, uh, in that book, we go through every single one of the composite planets. So the composite sun. So we have a, we created a calculator and it's all in the book, but it's basically you just go to supercouple.com and plug in the birthdays and boom, up draws this chart for you. So we did one for you and your your husband. <laughs> if you want to talk about it at all, yes, share. I would love to hear. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. So, tell me, tell me about us. Yeah, because this is. I mean, this is if the two of you were to meet in the middle. You know, like if you, if two people could blend in perfect harmony, and we love this because it's like instead of going like, what do I need? What do you need? It's like, what does our relationship need? And when you start to feed that, it really changes everything in this incredible way. You get out of like the tug of war and suddenly you're working towards this common goal. So you two, you're an Aquarius sun with a moon in Leo and a Taurus rising. So a lot of fixed energy there, a lot of planning, a lot of big, solid, support structures the moon and venus are right conjunct right next yes. to 10 degrees leo so this is a big love big hearted relationship um where there's a lot of very playful and adventurous and and also good for business they're in the second house of money and work does i don't know if your husband works with you at all or and just or else he's very encouraging and supportive and gets into like coming up with ideas for you or something yes definitely and the two of you are absolutely meant to have a family and business life together the nodes the south node of your relationship is capricorn the sign of business and structure and you know, sort of the father archetype. And then the North Node, the destiny point is cancer, which is home and family. So business for daughters, you know, yeah, Bambi second. So, you know, but it's, there's a real ease in, in flowing between like having, I'm sure your business is very much integrated into the family life. And so 
this relationship is set up to su- not just support that, but also to have that flourish. I will say traveling, traveling is probably very stressful and confusing for the relationship. Mars, the planet of energy and excitement, but also agitation and Neptune, which makes everything very like elusive and like dreamy and, but also like hard to pin down. Like, do you guys get into a lot of fights when you travel? (laughs) Is that when you start to argue a bit? Well, to be honest, we haven't traveled for so long. Like I can barely even remember what it was like, but because of COVID and then I was, I was pregnant and then I've had a baby. So we have not traveled for so long. Like we've not been overseas for maybe five years, but he is itching to get back over there before we have another baby. And I'm like, I don't want to go. And he's like, please. Like he really, really wants to go. And I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I just want to be at home and grounded and with all of my beautiful comforts here and my, you know, my things where he's just like, but you've got to live and you've got to have adventure. And this is the time to do it before we have another baby and all of these things. So it's very interesting. Once you get, there's a lot of like, probably needless worrying that happens around, like once you're there and on the go and, and like in your place, it's, but the, the transitions would be bumpy in this relationship when it comes. So you really just need to have it very well planned and structured. I also see that you have Saturn and Pluto in Libra. Yeah. The, the marriage sign. And, and so, you know, Tali was probably going to say the same thing as me, but like you rely on this relationship uh, to keep you grounded and you feel a real sense of control and agency. But also when you have like the world that you've built together is very structured. And so it's a, it's a control thing a little bit for you. You're like, you everything has its place in your relationship and you can't picture how you like map that to a new location. Where will this go? Where will this go? Where It's almost like you need to, before you travel, if you do, you need to create system for how you'll bring all the different things you need, whether that's your podcasting equipment or your, the baby. Like I would actually make like a operations manual for every part of your life before you go and ship it there or wherever, or like make sure that if you do travel, you stay in any one place for a decent amount of time, or at least have a base. Like if you're going to the States, set up your base in one Airbnb that you stay in for three months and then travel from there. But if you're not centralized, it will really like throw things off in this relationship. Does that make sense? 1000%. I'm like, yes, this is it. Like I'm thinking about, okay, I've got to take all my podcasting equipment. Mm -hmm. Then I've got to take everything for a toddler her cot and everything that comes with having a tiny human, which is a lot of stuff, right? A lot of stuff. And that's not even my stuff. And then I'm health conscious. So I'm like, can I take my water filter and my shower filter? Like all of these things. And so for me, I'm just like, Mm -hmm. oh, it's too hard. Like I can't be bothered. But he's like, you've got to live. We've got to live. This is the time (laughs) to do it before we have another baby. And I'm like, I'm so happy for you to go with your friends. Why don't you just go with our friends? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a sad, and, she's you a know, Sagittarius, you know, he lives for the travel, but 
He's got a, you know, moon in Libra in his individual chart. So he really wants you there with him. He's happiest when he has his partner with him. And, uh, you know, as an independent Aries, you're like, I don't care, you know, but you're all, you also have the Gemini moon. So you like to, I, the relationship is very lofty, Aquarius, big idea. These adventures are the juice and the fuel for your relationship. So even if the ultimate pathway for the two of you is, family, work, legacy, really even repatterning some of your old family wounds and triggers for both of you. It's almost like you can be each other's mother and father in ways that you get to fill in in some weird way. I don't know. Don't Doesn't every couple do that in their own way? But, you know, if you don't get enough of that Aquarian adventure, it will feel flat. So it is important for you to periodically do these things. Even if it will be a bit hard, it is what makes the relationship feel alive. Aquarius, the sun, the super couple sun, you can think of it as what will make our partnership feel alive. And then the composite moon is like, and what makes the relationship feel secure? And so you have this Leo moon. So you need to know that you'll have be a little pampered along the way, you know, both of you. So how the Taurus rising that you have together too. It's like you let you're happy with your nice things. You are less fiery together in a lot of ways. I recommend that you actually like take things one. I you do have all those things that you need to feel in control of in your environment. But if you try to figure it all out at once, it'll drive you crazy. So I think you should just write it down one thing. Maybe you don't have to bring your pot. Maybe it's cheaper to rent equipment. Maybe, you know, you can get a pack and play as we call. I don't know if you have that there. They call it there, but you can get a portable crib, you know, the shower filter. Maybe you can live without, or maybe there's a travel one, or maybe you can, I mean, if you're coming to the United States, you can get anything. Here. It's all about the day-to-day routines of that Taurus rising. It's like, it's so funny because, you know, your relationship probably feels like a contradiction. There's probably a tug of war that this relationship has. On the one hand, it wants to be this wild, outer space, amazing, boundary-breaking Aquarius. And then here comes that Taurus rising that's like, but where will we have our coffee every day? Will there be chaga, reishi, ashwagandha, you know? (laughs) And how will I get my, you know, the water filter, all those, those things matter. And when, when the rising sun is not attended to in a relationship, there are tantrums. There are, this is, these are those most immediate needs. So your relationship needs those things. So, you know, but you figure it out, of course, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I love this so much. And I love that you have a book about it. So tell us about the book. Like, so could I open up to the section where it talks about an Aquarius couple? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have the book right here. It's called Super Couple, you know, and it is, of course, we have it here. So yeah, there's done planet by planet. So the yeah, it's all nicely tabbed. So there's the sun and, you know, an Aquarius. So yeah, the Super Couple sun 
in Aquarius has its own section and then the moon. So yeah, every single planet. And we made it. We made like a hub to go with it. So everyone gets the book can go to supercouple.com and log in and calculate. And there's some downloads. Like we have cheat sheets. So you can keep your chart at your fingertips. We have a guided companion audio for people who want it, where we talk through all the planets too in a conversational way. And Tali does a longer video on how to read the chart if you want to do the houses because we know it's like it's a great system but we want to help you also adopt it and make it useful in your life so we have a little thing about the aquarius sun and you can tell us if this fits for you we feel most confident and united when we are communing with thought leaders and free spirits having a transcendental moment on a shared vision quest cracking people up especially ourselves with edgy jokes being each other's best friend, playing sports or exploring for hours, participating in social change and activism, wiring our home with the latest technology, co-hosting a party for a hundred of our closest friends, festival hopping and attending a community gathering, and then creating an idealistic social group from all walks of life. That's the Aquarius super couple. Would you say that fits the two of you? <laughs> Absolutely. Except for maybe the sports one. Mm. <laughs> although, although, you know, we love yoga together and things like that. But, you know, th- that's our sport. Not not so much like tennis. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, very. That is, that's so spot on. And can it tell you as well what your couple is family-wise, you know, what's going to happen? Yeah, you can do it with anyone, sibling, co-workers, kids. My daughter is a Libra and I'm a Sagittarius and together we become a Scorpio. And we're always just around each other in this very Scorpionic, silent, quiet way. She was very attached and bonded to me. So she's very Scorpio. Like my stepdaughter, who's a Leo, she and I became a Libra. And it was much more like, it was more fun. And we'd go when she was little, she'd want to go out and just have little adventures together. And my daughter, I can't get her out of the house when we're together. She's 12. It's like... And then the two of them, as sisters, become a Virgo, which is the sign of health. And only my stepdaughter can get my daughter to eat veg. Like they're they go out and they eat veg, you know, veggie bowls, and you know, they go cook and do all these things she won't do with me. So different people bring out different traits in the super couple. It's true. There's a reason why you aren't the same with every person. And, you know, you and Bambi are both Aries with Gemini moon, which is adorable. So you're probably very in sync. And so, you know, you are become more of yourselves inside and out when you're around each other. It's probably very easy to just be together. But there's also... The composite Mars is an Aries in, and Mercury is. And, and so there is a little bit of a power struggle there, too. Who's going to be the bot? Like when one of you wants your way and one of you wants things just so. Not just because she's a toddler. Although I can understand why you would feel a little nervous about traveling, too, because you know, in that relationship, like Aries is very sensitive to things being in this, you know, 
environment, food, germs. I find that Aries are self-described germophobics and very sensitive to everything that they eat and that touches their skin and their bodies. And so you're probably picturing like, how are we going to like find a, the exact right conditions where she'll take a nap? or, you know, that kind of thing. That, and that shared sensitivity is heightened by the, the dynamic of the super couple chart between you and her. Fascinating. And then between Nick and I, what does it say about family? Like, are we going to have a big family? Are we going to have lots of kids? Like, what, what does it say? It certainly could with the North Node in Cancer in the first house. I feel like some, for some couples, like becoming parents makes them feel like they've lost themselves and it's all about the kids. But you actually both almost have become found more of an identity by becoming parents together. Like, you know, it hasn't taken the sexiness away at all. It's actually motivated you and made you feel a sense of purpose and identity. Like you see yourselves as the fun, ageless parents. So you could handle a big family. You might have a lot of girls too. Do you know what's so interesting is like, I really feel like we're going to have a lot of girls. Yeah. I just have this feeling like, I don't know whether it's three girls or I just have this feeling that there's going to be more girls. <laughs> I think there is. I think there is. And yeah, your moon is in the second half. There's just, you lot, you, you're both sort of natural providers. Your composite super couple moon is in Leo, which is about playfulness. And the moon is also the maternal or parenting instinct. So you'll be young, youthful, sexy, fun parents playful parents. Yeah, you could have a big family. Could have five kids. <laughs> I'm not sure about five. <laughs> Maybe, four. Maybe three. Three. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Twins. Oh, oh yes. Oh my gosh. I think anyone who has twins like you guys, like I'm like, your your parents are amazing. Like it's it's right. big. I know. Only when I became a parent, I was like, how the heck did my mother do this? Because I can't even handle one. In some ways, though, I think twins entertain ourselves better, too. Like, they didn't really, I mean, I'm sure. After a while. Yeah. After a while. But, you know, that also means double the, you know, troublemaking that you have to, but at least we're in the same place making trouble. So, <laughs> We had each other to make twice as much trouble or stay entertained. So, but yeah, you guys, yes, I think you could have an all-girl family. Oh, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. Well, I have a 16-year-old stepson, so we've got the boy already. Okay, perfect. But yeah, I just have this strong sense of lots of girls, and I love that so much. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good. They'll have a good big brother then. Yes, exactly. I love this information and I truly feel that astrology should be taught in high school. I think mm -hmm. it is such <laughs> an incredible tool to have. And, you know, I just wish, you know, one day when I create my dream school, I'm going to have astrology as a class. Oh, cool. But, and maybe you guys can teach it. <laughs> kind of so. Yeah. <laughs> But I'd love to ask you, if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum 
of every high school around the world. Besides your books, which will be in the curriculum already, what is (laughs) one other book you would choose? Ooh, that is such a good question. There's so many. Let's see. But I would, you know, want it to be about something where, you know, the power of now would be a good one. It's a hard one to understand, but when you're that young, but just the idea that you're not your thoughts, anything that, that you're not your thoughts and you're not your feelings. So any book, you know, of the many that help people really see that. I'm not have to think, of course, I like have a million books in my life, but I'm like, when I one would be good. I'd do the artist's way because it oh, really yeah. is like you to listen to that inner voice that's there. I think morning page journaling would be good for high schoolers. <laughs> Get that noise out of your head. I also like, I like Nedra Tawab's set boundaries, find peace. I think that's like a really she she breaks it down in a way that I think high schoolers could understand. It's just like understanding that it's okay to set self-definitions at that age rather than being sway, like how to gracefully say no, say yes, say, and allow yourself to have your own, you know, free thought. I know our brains at that stage are really learning how to commune and fit in and be part of it. But like, man, do I wish that I had learned what a, that a boundary is just, this is me, this is you, that's okay. We have that difference and we don't have to, you know, even though, and then from there, there's much, a much healthier way to be able to interact with each other and form that, you know, we energy without losing yourself. I love that. And we'll link to those incredible books that you mentioned as well. Tell me now, I'd love to hear how you guys set yourself up for a successful day. I love hearing about people's morning routines and you being twins, I am fascinated to see if you both do the same thing or is it completely different? So talk us through your morning routine, your rituals and how you set yourself up for the day. And then, you know, how a quote unquote typical day in your life looks. (laughs) It's for me. You know, I wish I could be the person that did like yoga in the morning and everything. Maybe one day I will. I do like to go for a walk. Uh, I find that when I do go for a walk and go out in nature, it just makes me feel like all the possibilities. But writing is such a big part of our lives and we write so much every month. And I love to feel in the zone and inspired. And so the morning is usually when I have the most fresh ideas. So what I, I love to be in like a comfy, what, you know, seasonally appropriate, just comfy and have a nice cup of coffee and just let the ideas pour out. I'm either reading something or writing. I'm not going into like production work mode. It's more like this sort of basking in inspiration. So coffee does kick that in for me, I'll be honest. And or a walk or both. If we now we live three hours apart, our time zones, but sometimes Tali gets up really early and then she'll call me at like five AM her time and I'll it'll be eight o'clock and I'll just go for a walk and we'll talk about 
ideas or whatever, that kind of thing. So my, my morning starts with calling Ophi first, you know, I wake <laughs> up while I'm making my espresso, got myself my little, you know, whatever countertop espresso maker. And uh, yeah, I, morning is like, really, like, I wake up with a lot of, that's like a maximum create, like, obviously, just all the ideas from the dream realm are right there and I need to capture them. So it's really the best writing time for me too. But first I'll call Ophi because I want to hear what her dream realm ideas were and she's already applied them to various real world applications often and like to be like, okay, uh, slow down on that. We'll talk about that later. I'm not aware right, have to wait for the espresso to brew until Tala can <laughs> catch up to me. But around what most people would probably do in the morning to ease into the day, I'll like around 11 or 12 when all that creativity has been poured out of the cup, then I'll go and do like, you know, a walk or some exercise or make some food. I say I have more of an integrated day rather than like a, now I do this and now I do this. It's like work, be creative and then eat something or do something nourishing and nurturing or walk or move and then go back into work and then out. And then I weave in and out of reading, learning, creating and doing all the things that need to be done. So you know, before the pandemic, I used to love doing hot yoga and everything. And I've kind of, you know, that's something I'm looking forward to in 2023 is just getting back into more of like movement as part of the day. You know, it's been harder to keep that up over the last couple of years. And it's something that's truly missing, but we're lucky that we, we do go for a lot of walk and talks. And in Seattle, I can just hit a little trail right in the city and get beautiful nature and then pop up or cooking a really nice and healthy meal is a nice break. It's very flowy, dreamy days over the last couple of years, <laughs> you know, maybe not the most exciting, but you know, feels like, feels like a lot of communing with the cosmos and then writing it down. And then I don't know. Yeah. Less like active going out and seeing people, but that's been kind of nice, you know? <laughs> yes, definitely. How is it being apart as twins? Like, I'm sure you've lived so close for so many years. How is it living apart from mm -hmm. each other? How long have we lived in different coasts? Like 12 years or something now? 13? Mm -hmm. Well, we have, I'm in it right now, a shared place in New York City. We have two apartments, I one in my name, one in hers that we rent across the hall from each other, we use as an office. So when Tali comes to town, she'll stay here. Before the pandemic, she used to do that like every four to six weeks. So it's good for us and in our charts to have the time together and then apart. I mean, we talk you know, 20 times a day, even when we're apart. But there's no denying like we're just in Tulum together for our birthday. It's like whenever we are together, a lot of stuff starts. It's like the universe is like, okay, good. I'm going to give you all these cool things to do now. So it's good for our human, you know, growth as people, personal growth, but it is hard. Twins are just in, you know, connected no matter what. It's so beautiful. It's a thing. It's funny though. Like I think twins are just kind of a little, maybe a little naturally codependent. So it's just mm -hmm. good. It's good to get 
some space. Otherwise you're always like worrying, you know, we were, it's like we were born married in a funny way. You know, we shared a bank account and clothes and everything as kids. And we just never thought twice about it, you know, and it was almost we're learning things backwards while everyone else is out there. Like, I want to find a person. Like, of course we have relationships and everything like that, but you know, it's like our relationship with each other is very much a big front and center sisterhood business partner twins. So the guys we're with have to understand that, you know, there's another number one, you know, at least for, you know, for time and energy. And I think, you know, probably hard to date or be married to a twin for that unless you're a very independent person it's like but you can't help it because you've been together in the womb and in your whole every experience you know you've shared together and so like no one else can really know that and it's uh so pulling ourselves conscientiously to different coasts is good for us to you know it was what was harder than being apart was I realized that Ophi's better than I am at meeting people I'm I thought I was everyone thinks I'm more outgoing than her but I'm actually not only when the ice has been broken I'm like I am so socially awkward and I do not know how to make friends without my sister here so I had to do some 101 learning there, you know, on how to meet people without. I don't think I've had a birthday party since she moved away, though, because I don't plan, I don't like planning parties and trips, and Tolly does. So, like, she always planned our birthday party. And then ever since then, I'm like, well, I I don't know. I guess I'll just go out to dinner with my daughter. (laughs) I also shop for her clothes. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah, I hate shopping. I don't hate it, but sometimes I do. But yeah, she she buys our clothes. She buys clothes for us. And I, in fact, I did an event the other night, two nights ago, and wore a dress that Tolly gave to me. And everyone was like, "That looks so good on you." I was like, "Well, I stole it from my sister." So <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's like this permanent best friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're lucky that way. We're lucky that way for sure. And we have another sister who we're close to, too. But she has a very different, you know, defined, self-defined personality. That's a different path. But also she does a lot of work with women and does family constellation work. So we're all kind of in this cosmic women's empowerment vibe as sisters. Mm, I love it so much. I'm always so fascinated about twins. I just think it's incredible and the connection, the bond that <laughs> you guys have. It's just so beautiful. I think it's I think it's really, really sweet. So thank you. thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah. Well, you have a sister too, right? So you know. <laughs> yes. I have an older sister and a younger brother. Oh, cool. We wish we had a brother. We don't, you know, that, that would have fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, for so long, I was so totally obsessed with him. I still am, don't get me wrong. But he, it got to that point where he's like, you need to calm down, like with your love <laughs> for me, like you need to really, like, it's actually embarrassing. And it's like, not cool, Melissa. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, so I had to really pull it back Aww. and like, calm down my love for him. And so yeah, I'm not as fine as he. Pisces he is a 
He's June 5th, so Gemini. Oh, Gemini. cute, cute. With your Gemini moon, he just got you right in the heart, huh? <laughs> totally. Like, he gets me, but, you know, I, I have to really calm down and then I can pour all of that love into my daughter now and, and <laughs> shower her with it because I had so much that I just want, and I was so proud of him, and he's my baby brother. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was just like, you need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> There's your Libra South node in your chart. Mm-hmm. It's like Libra South nodes, 86, have a lot, a lot of love to give and no one is going to stop you. <laughs> and your moon being in Gemini, it's like you might've been his mother in a past lifetime. Yes. Yeah, definitely. I feel that. I feel That's that. Really adorable. I'm very like, very connected to him. Like, when he feels stuff, I feel it. Like, I really do feel it. Yeah. So, yeah, there's definitely a deeper connection there. Makes sense. Mm. Don't we know all about that? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, I have three rapid-fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Well, yeah. We'll do our best. We are born with Mercury retrograde, so <laughs> we stumble a little, you know. <laughs> okay. What is one thing that we can all do today for our health? Oh my God, sleep. Go outside. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I love those two. Sleep and go outside. Yes. Everyone can benefit from those. Okay. Next one. What is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Mm -hmm. Good question. Um, find the thing that you say over and over again that disempowers you and consciously stop saying it. Cut one negative repeating phrase out of your lexicon. And I'll take it from the opposite angle. Look at the thing that people keep coming to you for and you just easily do and just do and don't even think about being paid for. That's what astrology was like for us. We just love talking to people about it. And um, see what happens if you put some more value on that. Just because it comes to you easily does not mean that it lowers its value. In fact, it may elevate it. Mm, Absolutely. And I think we try and complicate things. Well, well, it, it's too easy for me. And, you know, maybe this isn't my path. But no, that's like effortless. That effortless flow, it's a sign. Yep, it is. It, and we take so often we just resist that because we think work is supposed to be hard. And that's one of the great things about what's happening in the stars and in the world right now is that people are realizing work doesn't have to be hard. It can be joyful. So yeah. Yes, it can be joyful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last one. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Mm, Love yourself. (laughs) Absolutely. Stop looking for it outside of yourself and give love. No, not even just love yourself. Love someone else. Absolutely. I would say that redefine love as acceptance, you know? So can you accept this person for who they are? And even if that, I mean, that doesn't, you know, maybe it won't work in a specific relationship format, but can you accept? them and love them as a human as a being and then you know when you when you shift into that you can find a sense of peace around you know instead of 
oh, I can't believe this person's toxic. And I get it. I mean, some people are, of course, but just ending that whole self-flagellation around not getting what we want. You know, love is love. Relationships are relationships. Every love interest isn't meant to be a relationship for you, but you can still love the person by accepting them. What is going to happen in 2023? Can you guys give us a little (laughs) bit of a overview? A whole lot. Yeah. Major, major cultural change coming. Pluto, the outermost planet in the astrological solar system, because it's still a planet for us, is moving into Aquarius for the first time since 1798. That was the time... Yeah, we're here in the U.S. We had our Constitution. It was a time. So Pluto shapes the the issues that we're all going to work on together collectively. It's been in Capricorn since 2016. That rules governments, the economy, the patriarchy, all these subjects that have been like gripping us. And so it's moving on. It's going to be weaving back and forth between Aquarius and Capricorn, but it's spending a little bit of time in Aquarius from March 23rd to June 11th. And then it goes back in at the beginning of 2024. And then for 20 years, November 19th, 2024. But we get a little preview of that. So it's, you know, it's really like all about, it's going to feel very sci-fi in some ways, like as it already is, but we're going to hit up those, hit against the limits of technology, but also probably have some real breakthrough technology around, you know, solving the climate crisis. There's already news reports right now, we've been talking about this for the last couple of years with nuclear energy and fission being used to generate some power in a, in a, some clean energy. And that's very Pluto and Aquarius, you know, like plutonium and things from under the ground. So are there aliens walking among us? How far do we take technology? Yeah. And and really like, it's going to force us to work, you know, like really resolve our issues around working together as a global community. Aquarius is a sign of togetherness. And so Pluto is the, destroyer, rebuilder, transformer. So when it changes signs every 12 to 20 years, it really makes a big like impact on us. So, you know, it's like analog versus sci-fi. That's one of the big themes. Another one is that spirituality is going to become more of a serious thing than it already is. People are going to want more like to deepen their spirituality, um, to find peace. Saturn, which is the planet of structure, is going into Pisces starting March 7th for three years. And Ophi, you may want to add to this, but, you know, we're all having this existential crisis. Like, you know, here we are. This world is beautiful. It's still filled with things that we can enjoy. And yet there's that looming apocalyptic anxiety. The only way out of it, and we keep saying the law of attraction is coming back. Pull out your old copy of The Secret, but that's not going to make things go away. But like an overall, you know, like a mindset shift and deepening, like not just, you know, reading about trauma on Instagram, but actually developing a practice that helps you calm your mind, work with your anxiety and get yourself. And there's, there's a lot of inner work going on. Let's just say in Mm -hmm. 2020, 
three. And there's a lot of balancing between self and others, self and relationship. Jupiter is an Aries, a sign of the self until May 16th. So there's going to be a big, like, this is who I am. And then the North Node goes into Aries in July. The col- so we're collectively all being pulled to- a, w- a bit away from relationship and toward individuality. So finding the right balance, finding a way that in your relationship you don't lose yourself or that, you know, like you can coexist as individuals in a, any kind of a partnership without it dividing people. I mean, the world needs to heal from that too. Like, But we are going to be dealing with collective issues of anger as well and how to really metabolize anger and express it in ways that it's unfortunately not yet constructively being, you know, with a lot of violence, war, gun violence, all those issues, political divisions, people shouting at each other and not listening. And let's just we've got to transform that. So we have an opportunity, we have an opportunity to do that, but we are going to see, I think, you know, Jupiter's going to be in Aries and Taurus, which are two of the most stubborn and opinionated signs. And <laughs> Jupiter makes us more outspoken. So, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're trying to learn this against a backdrop of people like, no, it's time for me to stand up and my way is the right way. So unfortunately, there is a pull more toward that, which the world does not need. So those of us who are conscious are going to have to lead the charge. Chiron is also an Aries, the healer. Lead the charge in helping people find constructive ways to you know, express what they're passionate about without silencing other people. But also... We're trying to do that without tolerating hate and bigotry too. And like, so going to be a lot more working of that. I, I like, I just have said that, that humanity is in the middle of a giant iOS update. So you know, we are, the system update is underway and the, the rainbow wheel is spinning and we are making a lot of weird things happen there on in the meantime and we're figuring it out not very well we're calling 2023 the year of what if so what if is the real the question that we'll be looking at like you can take it one of two ways you can say oh my god what if everything falls apart and you know the ice caps melt and, blah, 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 and you know or you can say what if and use it for innovation so you know what if we could have differences of opinion without hating each other or something right or what if we could figure out a way to reverse the you know i know there's all kinds of technology that we don't even know about like pulling carbon out of the air or the you know i don't know i think that science is going to surprise us in some pretty amazing ways next year but also some ways that we're going to yeah yeah awesome on a personal level you know just a lot of a lot of relationship uh work and figuring out how to redefine relationships to work for everyone individually as opposed to the cookie cutter one size fits all we do have venus going retrograde in leo in the middle of the year, but from uh, July 22nd to September 3rd. So people will definitely like 
don't mark that as your fertility, you know, <laughs> you know, give yourself till after that to, you know, have the, have the daughters, you know, <laughs> very interesting. So fascinating. I love this so much. And you guys are amazing. Is there anything else you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you wanted to talk about? I think one of the things we're going to be doing this year, we do this book, this giant yearly astrology book every year. This is our 11th year doing it. And what we're going to be doing in 2023 is creating a membership group where people can get together with us once a quarter every 90 days to break it into a focus kind of like we call our the people, you know, mystics on a mission, the 10th as a way of summing up the people that would be looking to use astrology to shit, to plan by the planets, to set intentions. And, you know, they want the, the mystical magic and help and divine guidance of the stars and the universe, but they also want to structure and timelines and other ways trying to find that sweet spot between the two. So we're going to be working with, a group of people to guide them through that gathering together for a 90 day program. We're still naming it, but there'll be, you know, we'll give you a link to put, but hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have a name for it and everything, but it's whatever it is. It's kind of like a Oprah's book club meets the cosmos and (laughs) that kind of thing. I love it. And we'll link to all of your amazing work in the show notes, but that sounds fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. I adore you two ladies. I can't even remember how I first discovered you, but I have been following you guys for so long. I love your work. I am so grateful for all the work that you do in the world. You are helping and supporting and serving so many people. So I want to know what I personally and the listeners can do to give back and serve you today. Oh. What a sweet thing. That's why we love the Aries so much. They always think of those <laughs> things. Come follow us on Instagram at Astro Twins and be part of our, you know, our world, our conversation. If if it's if it's if it speaks to you, grab one of our books if those sound interesting. We actually oh, yeah. print them on demand now so that we don't take up more trees than needed and now that means we can deliver to australia and you know normal time it used to take weeks and cost a lot so we can now you can get digital versions or you can now get the book like on amazon prime or whatever that is for you so a few days so we're better able to serve i know your listeners are all over the world but yeah just join the conversations with us. Come and, yeah. you know, share who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, we feel very lucky, very blessed to get to do this for 20 years now. It's crazy, you know, it's like, but it, you know, it keeps us, keeps us, keeps us young. It keeps us in tune. You know, we're always tracking where things are and it's kind of nice to be able to have divine energy, full, you know, coming through you when you're writing. So you get to channel a little bit, lights you up, you know. So anyone who reads it and enjoys it is a gift to us and lets us keep doing what we're doing. So thank you. And thank yeah. you for reading us for so long. That That's yeah. amazing because you reach so many people and love that, you know, 
we get to be part of that in some some mystical little way yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely ladies i've adored this conversation I would love to have you over and continue the conversation next time you are ever in Australia. Oh, God. You must let me know. And if I'm over your way, I will let you know. But I could chat to you ladies for hours. But thank you so much. This has been such a treat. You're always welcome on the podcast. Yay. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. I love astrology. I'm obsessed with it. And one of the reasons why I love it is that you're always going to be learning. Like you're always going to be discovering new things about yourself or your partner or your children. It's never ending, which is so awesome. So dive deep into it and you will discover so much more about who you are and more about your soul's purpose. It's the best. I hope you got a lot out of this conversation. And if you did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. Now, come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what your sun, moon, and rising sign are. I would love to hear from you. So jump on over there and come and tell me. And before I go, I wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.